Professor McKay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. When I first tried to contact you, the Iranians were saying that this was impossible, that they could not have shot down the plane with one of their missiles. They have since recanted. Why do you think they recanted so quickly and admitted that it was an Iranian missile that brought down this plane? Well, I think the evidence began to stack against them. There were the previously unconfirmed videos, the pictures of the distinctive nose cone which holds the fuse of the missile, uh, and the evidence just wasn't supporting the story that the, the aircraft was turning back towards the airport. Do we have, or the Americans especially, I suppose, have sophisticated uh, satellite systems that detect all these things anyway? Yes, there's uh, enough evidence in in open source media that suggests it was picked up from by satellite, uh, picked up by reconnaissance aircraft, that uh, there were particular forms of uh, emissions that would indicate a missile launch in that time frame. And there's one source that could sort of pinpoint where they think the missile came from, which would have been where a launcher would have been. Does that mean that nowadays it's pretty impossible to hide something like this? It's, in fact, very, very difficult. All right, so that they were facing insurmountable evidence that they were responsible. Tell me a little bit about the, the actual equipment that was used, the, the missile system. Uh, the missile system uh, is known as the TOR in Russian, but it's known to NATO forces as Gauntlet, the surface air missile 15, SA-15. It is a short-range weapon, so it's designed to protect small areas as opposed to large areas. And on occasion, it's employed either to go with mobile forces or to protect other air defense weapons. How sophisticated is this system? Uh, it was first built in the 1980s, but they've been upgraded a couple of times since then. And the variant, the Iranians were using was the Tor M1, uh, which sort of dates from 1990s to early 2000s. The Iranians took on the system about 12 years ago. Now, they've said that this was a, a an accident. How automated, I mean, is, is artificial intelligence involved in this at all? Is it automated system once you set it? I mean, it's going to go by itself whether or not you're there kind of thing. How does this work? Uh, this is a little bit complicated, and, and there are some unknowns here. First, it is not a fire-and-forget weapon. So the missile in flight is radio-controlled, which means an operator has to guide it close enough to its target. It, it operates on a proximity fuse, which means as it gets to a certain distance from the aircraft, that's when it detonates, and it's about 15 kilograms worth of explosives and fragments that would shred fuselage and other aircraft components by sort of peppering it with holes. Something like a shotgun blast, for example. Uh, absolutely. Um, which would account for the aircraft making a, a sudden turn and then eventually falling from the sky. Now, uh, on that, what means is they have to track the aircraft and then make a decision to actually launch it. What we don't know is how the Iranians were employing them. Normally, they're employed in batteries of four vehicles and the, uh, controlled by a single control vehicle. What we don't know is how much those control vehicles were plugged into a wider air defense system run by the Iranians. And the reason they may not have is, fearing an American reprisal, one of the ways for air defense systems to hide is to reduce the amount of emissions they release. So if you're, they're using radar, for example, it's going to release a certain amount of emissions that would allow them to be detected and destroyed. So they may have been partially blind at the time. 
for their own safety. Do the aircraft not have transponders identifying what they are? For example, civilian uh, civilian passenger jet XYZ kind of thing? And we're a- Absolutely. So what should happen is they should have the flight plans and the transponder codes for each aircraft that's planned. And wouldn't that show up on the radar, whether it's military or civilian? Absolutely. Now, the the real trick for uh, those forces is to sift through all that information and uh, look for actual targets as opposed to things you don't want to shoot at. Now, that requires that their identification friend and foe interrogator was functioning. So there is a possible malfunction in the system that would have caused them to see something like that Boeing 737 as if it was something else. Now, the fact that it was flying northwest, uh, pulling away from the the airport, and that a Boeing 737 tends to be climbing and fl- flying slowly relative to other sort of attack aircraft or cruise missiles, sort of cast doubt on that one. So they should, uh, there were several indications to somebody that this was not a hostile aircraft. It was a big plane. It had a transponder identifying as a civil plane. It was flying on a standard route uh, away from sensitive areas and in spite of what was originally claimed. And if somebody fired the missile, you're telling me they actually have to guide it up towards the aircraft Correct. as well? Yes, they do. So there's, what explanation is Is somebody really, like, there, crazy? No, I wouldn't say that. There's a couple of potential explanations. The first, and this sort of corresponds somewhat to an early report when the Iranians first admitted it, that they were opening and closing the airspace. And the Ukrainian aircraft took off almost an hour behind its forecasted flight time. So if they had closed the airspace again and the aircraft was allowed to take off and the air defense forces weren't advised, they they might have interpreted it as a hostile but that's a bit of a stretch. I can't see the information not being exchanged. Well, uh, this is this was my next question. Is is this a communications error among various Iranian services? Because I understand as that, well, you've got the Revolutionary Guards that have these machines. Uh, and the you Revolutionary have... Guards are the ones that run those. They only have 29 of those, uh, according to most uh, sources. Uh, and they're all in the hands of the Revolutionary Guards. But this is not the, the, the regular uh, Iranian military force, right? No, but we also don't know how well trained they are. So there, we, there could have been a communications error uh, or, or errors, and correct. there could have been an, an inexperienced, excited operator. Right, and the other thing that has to be taken into account is they would have been on high alert from probably General Soleimani's death all the way to the, the downing of the aircraft, which, uh, depending on your timeline, was three to five hours after the missile strikes. So if they were fearing an American reprisal, uh, they would have been on high alert and would have had been on high alert for several days, which means the crews would get tired. And what we don't know is how many crews they're rotating through. And all it takes is for someone not to pass appropriate information, and there's another potential source of error with, with tragic consequences. So somebody's judgment could have been compromised as well, in addition to all these other factors, by Absolutely. fatigue. Right. And if they had been switching off radars or switching off uh, communications links to remain somewhat hidden, they wouldn't be necessarily up to date on all information. 
How do you see this playing out in, in, in future? I mean, how is this going to be analyzed by other military forces around the world? Because obviously conflict situations are going to continue. There are going to be tensions all over the world. People are going to be operating uh, deadly equipment. How is this going to be uh, absorbed and studied? I, I think it's going to be um, dealt with similar to the incident in Ukraine, where Civil aviation, once conflicts break out between states with very capable air defense systems, are probably going to reroute flight plans or be very, very cautious as to uh, um, when they will fly in and fly out of certain airports. In a military situation, how is this studied? Uh, I would imagine there, in any other military, and I, I cannot speak for the Iranians because I, I don't know enough about the interior workings of them, uh, some form of board of inquiry to figure out exactly what went wrong and find some means of fixing it so it doesn't occur again. Professor James McKay, thank you so much for this. You're welcome.